appointed to prosecute some of the most shocking cases at Nuremberg. This was the second round of trials, and his targets were members of the notorious German death squads called the Einsatzgruppen, rough translation, the Operations Group. These were not top Nazi leaders, but elite military squads that conducted widespread killing. Here's what Ferenz told the court. The slaughter committed by these defendants was dictated not by military necessity, but by that supreme perversion of thought, the Nazi theory of the master race. Ferenz told the court that as German troops invaded the Soviet Union, the Nazis deployed their death squads to round up and kill Jews, gypsies, and Communist Party officials. In revisiting the Nuremberg courtrooms a few years ago, Ferenz explained how the Einsatzgruppen's appallingly methodical nature helped his case against them. Every day, they reported to Berlin which unit had entered which town under the command of which officer, where they were, how long they stayed there, and how many people they had murdered in cold blood during that period of time. By taking an adding machine and adding up the numbers of reported, I reached a total of over a million people had been slaughtered that way by these special units. The records themselves were so damning that Ferenz called no witnesses. In all, 24 of the Einsatzgruppen's defendants were found guilty. Thirteen got a death sentence, the others long prison terms. While death camp officers and execution squads were obvious candidates for the tribunal, American prosecutors, led by Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, had a much larger, more sweeping view of justice in mind. A new criminal charge was used, waging aggressive war. Any resort to war, any kind of war, is a resort to means that are inherently criminal as means. War inevitably is a course of killings, assaults, deprivations of liberty, and destruction of property. This was a first, prosecuting the inner workings of a country's war machine. And it was felt that we had to bring in the industrialists who built the concentration camps in order to have cheap labor for their war machine, the, uh, the generals who had the power to stop Hitler and chose not to, the doctors who conducted medical experiments, for example, were to be portrayed so that the world could see precisely how it was that a civilized country like Germany could resort to such barbarism. That was the purpose of the subsequent trials. Another prosecutor at Nuremberg was William Kaming. There was also a hope that the trials and the revelation of all of the acts would re-educate the German people who had lived under the yoke of Nazism since the early 30s. The Allies charged nearly 200 defendants with war crimes, among them Germany's most prominent businessmen and professionals. Prosecutor Telford Taylor, who took over when Robert Jackson returned to the Supreme Court, accused German industrialists of fabricating the turbines of war and the tools of Holocaust in their factories. One does not build a stupendous war machine in a fit of passion, nor an Auschwitz factory during a passing spasm of brutality. There will be no mistaking the ruthless purposefulness with which the defendants embarked upon their course of conduct. That purpose was to turn the German nation into a military machine and build it into an engine of destruction. Military Tribunal Number 6 will come to order. Defendant Karl Kirsch, how do you plead to this indictment? 
Guilty or not guilty? Nicht schuldig. Not guilty. Karl Krausch was the head of the IG Farben Company, a huge chemical firm that produced Zyklon B, the poison gas used to kill millions of Jews at Auschwitz and other Nazi death camps. Farben also ran a synthetic rubber factory at Auschwitz with inmate labor. Karl Krausch and other Farben executives were tried using the company's own documents, which revealed Farben's deep involvement in the Nazi war effort. Historian Jonathan Bush says the Farben employees had an unwavering explanation for the work they did and the papers they signed. They used an old common law defense of duress. We were made to do it. We'd be shot if we didn't. You're misreading all the evidence against us. The phrase was howling with the wolves. When you, when you live in the forest, you have to howl with the wolves to survive. So, in a way, they could do jujitsu with all the evidence. Yep, he signed that. Yes, he said that. But you're reading it as if he meant it. He didn't mean it for a minute. He had to say that to survive. The excuse did not work for Karl Krausch. He was found guilty and sentenced to prison. But of the 24 Farben employees on trial, 10 were acquitted. The judges accepted the defense by some Farben executives who claimed they acted under duress, setting a precedent that those who make the policy and give the orders to commit war crimes are more responsible than those who obey the commands. Jonathan Bush says the prosecution of soldiers and industrialists was controversial in Germany and the United States. The analogy to many Western observers was Henry Ford. These industrialists, they're, they're successful businessmen. They're doing what their country's laws allow them to do. They're operating within the law for their country in time of war. While the trials were meant to provoke soul-searching among the Germans, Allied prosecutors also knew their work would shape the future of international justice. That preoccupied Ben Ferenz, who prosecuted the Nazi death squad members. The question I had in my own mind was, what do I ask for? Do I ask the tribunal to hang them all, chop them up into a million pieces or something like that? I felt, no, that wouldn't really serve a significant purpose because you never could balance their 22 lives against the million who had been slaughtered. And if I could develop a rule of law which would protect humankind in the future, that would be significant. Nuremberg would establish a body of new human rights law, but before the prosecutions were even complete, the court's effectiveness began to erode in a new tide of international politics. Food to break Russia's blockade of Berlin. In the greatest peacetime aerial feat ever... As the World War gave way to the Cold War, Soviet troops blockaded Berlin, which sat deep in the East German territory they controlled. America started to see West Germany as a potentially powerful ally against the Soviet Union. Prosecutor William Kaming. We had visits from congressmen, and senators who favored the uh, rearmament of Germany and who said we have to get rid of the trials because they're an obstacle. An obstacle because German political and military leaders wanted the Nuremberg trials shut down and the prisoners released before agreeing to side with the U.S. That put tremendous pressure on the tribunal from America itself. They accused the, some of the prosecutors of being communists, Jewish left-wing communists. Belle Zeck and her husband Bill served as prosecution lawyers at Nuremberg. The Zecks remember several U.S. congressmen, including a young Wisconsin senator named Joseph McCarthy, who openly defended the German industrialists and attacked the American tribunal. And there was a congressman, Dondero from Glens Falls. He said that he accused Bell of being a communist. Yeah. 
well-known communists. Amidst the criticism and red-baiting, the Nuremberg trials wrapped up business in 1949 with some 142 convictions. Twenty-four Germans were sentenced to death. Many others got prison terms. But they would not stay behind bars long. To appease West Germany, American diplomats in command of the U.S. occupation zone formed a review board to consider clemencies. Prosecutor William Kaming. Between 1949 and 1958, all of the prisoners uh, had sentences reduced and then released, including, surprisingly enough, four of the leaders of the Einsatzgruppe and death squads. It was a political measure. No members of the prosecution staff and none of the judges at Nuremberg were even consulted. Years later, a handful of the convicted war criminals would be tried again in German courts. The German government and German industry would also pay billions of dollars in compensation to victims of Nazi crimes. Human rights activists say the legal principles established at Nuremberg, such as the crime of committing aggressive warfare, were far more important than who got out of jail when. And, they say, the legacy of Nuremberg is just beginning to unfold. Earlier this year, the modern descendant of Nuremberg was announced. In a ceremony at United Nations headquarters in New York, 66 countries agreed to create a permanent international criminal court. The Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court will enter into force on the first day of July 2002. Nuremberg prosecutor Ben Ferenz was on hand at the UN ceremony. He says he always believed that the trial 60 years ago would lead to a permanent war crimes tribunal. We were building on the Nuremberg Foundation to condemn